folks are kind of filtering in here and there, uh, you can turn your Bibles to Romans 8. Uh, so we're, we're going to actually hang out in Romans 8 a little bit longer, probably all the way through the Advent uh, season. We are going to change up, you know, because we kind of got through chapter 8. Uh, but man, the Lord has just kind of like directed us to stay put. Don't move on. We got to slow, slow it down. Slow it down. Make sure that, you know, the way I've thought of it is uh, um, Jody used to take us out to Costco. And it was like, you know, the question was always like, what are we going to have for dinner, you know, while we're out and about? And Jody was like, well, you just go to Costco and you run through the aisles and, you know, you, you get all the samples that are there. And that, that, become, that becomes dinner, man. You know, and so let's go enjoy dinner, free dinner at Costco. And, and yet you still came out the other side of that like, oh, I'm still kind of hungry. I mean, that was good, but I'm, I'm still hungry. That's what I feel like we've done in Romans 8. We've just kind of run through the aisles of Romans 8 and snitched a little here. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's great. But we haven't necessarily slowed down, pulled up a chair at the table to just feast on God's word. So it's important to slow it down a little bit and make sure we're taking it in. Uh, we, we, can, we can move so fast we don't even have the time to digest, chew it up a little bit, you know, really taste and savor the text here. And, and, and we oftentimes don't take even the, the time to let it convict our own hearts. Like, God, what do you want to shape in me by way of your word? That's what he's promised his word will do. It'll change us. It'll shape us. So Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read the first two verses. Told you we're going to keep it brief. Uh, this morning. You know the text, probably. All right, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Apostle Paul is introducing us to what my mind pictures as like the headwaters of our salvation. Growing up in Minnesota, we would head up to the Boundary Waters, and they were just, it was a network of different streams and lakes, and at times we would take the canoe and be like, all right, we, we want to get to the, to the most northern point. We want to get to where everything else flows from. We want to get to the headwaters of the Boundary Waters, and so we would canoe our hearts out, right, and eventually find ourselves stuck in, in these little tributaries where everything kind of comes down to these one point where you see the spring ushering out. And it's amazing that this spring, as we sit in our canoes and we're just all kind of pushed in by, by one side and the other side and grass growing, and, and we're all pushed in, but we see this spring. And the spring, as we turn around, we could look down the tributaries and these fine little nuanced streams, and it then opens up into these massive lakes. It's the headwaters that's producing all of this amazing kind of at 
atmosphere out in the boundary waters. What Paul is doing for us is he's showing us the headwaters of our salvation. Now, if you remove the headwaters here, if you remove this aspect of our salvation, everything else in that sense dries up. All the little nuanced streams, all the great expanses of those lakes, it all dries up. Without these headwaters, we don't have salvation. Without this reality, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ. You don't have this, you don't have anything else. This is the headwaters of our salvation. Now, what does condemnation mean? Try to keep it simple this morning. What does it mean? Well, condemnation is a legal pronouncement of guilt that sets a sentencing in motion. It's a legal pronouncement of guilt that sets a sentencing in motion. So I don't know what generation you're coming from, uh, but think of, you know, Perry Mason or uh, growing up, Matlock, right? I watched Matlock growing up. That was, they were fantastic. We got to watch TV on Thursday nights to watch Matlock. Amazing, right? <laughs> or or it, o- it only degenerates from generation to generation generation because what is it today judge judy right it's like oh my goodness what did we come to this is like live tv and now we're doing this thing it's not even dramatized it's just like chaotic realism uh it's sad where we've come to but whatever that picture is when you think of the courtroom perry mason matlock judge judy whatever it is think of a given trial and towards the end of that trial the judge pronounces guilt. And then he slams his gavel to seal his pronouncement. That pronouncement of guilt is condemnation. It's a legal pronouncement of guilt that sets a sentencing in motion. Now, to just get to the point, in our Western world, we have convinced ourselves that we are fairly good people. And therefore, a verse like this becomes incredibly impractical. Why would I ever need to know that there is no condemnation for me when I I see myself as fairly good? And you see yourself as fairly good. Why? Well, because you compare yourselves with other people. Or more and more, as I come to know folks, specifically in this context, in our neighborhood, It may not necessarily be that you think you're good, but you think you're deserving because of all the hard things you say God has taken you through. God can't put me on trial for all then the hard things that I've been through in this life. I'm deserving. You might as well say it like it's often said, well, I'm good. God deserves to forgive me. Or I deserve to have his forgiveness. God must forgive me because of all the things he's made me go through. But if you know the argument of the book of Romans, chapter 1 all the way through chapter 7, the Apostle Paul has been making it clear that our goodness is not ours to determine. It doesn't matter what you've gone through in this life, as much as God cares about that. 
I mean, have, do, we will see God deal with the issues of suffering. We've already seen that in chapter 8. God's going to get there. He's going to deal with the problems of our suffering. But if you think, because of all that you've gone through, that, well, God deserves to forgive me, or I deserve to be, oh, i got to get that right, be deserve whatever it is that I get forgiveness from God because of all that he's taken me through. Right, we have to be careful that our goodness is not ours to determine. We don't get to set the standard for ourselves. We don't get the right to rush that judgment bar, push the judge aside, and make a determination for ourselves. We aren't the judge, as Paul has made the argument. If we go through the previous chapter, we aren't the judge. We are the we aren't the judge, we are the judged. As Paul says, we aren't the creator, we are the creature. And folks, this is the fundamental flaw of our humanity, not that we are as bad as we could be, but that we have, in fact, rushed that judgment bar, pushed God to the side, and have determined innocence for ourselves. I'm good. This is what Paul means earlier when he says in Romans chapter 1 verse 18, that man suppresses the truth. He suppresses the truth. How does he do that? He, he does it by rushing that judgment bar, pushing the judge aside and saying, I will determine it for myself. Now, if you're a guest with us, even online, know this. I am not here to affirm your self-determined sense of goodness. I am here with Paul to remind you that we have all rushed that judgment bar. We have all pushed God to the side. We have all determined innocence for ourselves. Again, whether it's by comparing ourselves with others, I'm just not as bad as them, so hey, I must be pretty good, or by thinking, well, I've done a lot of church stuff, religious stuff, so I must be pretty good, or by thinking that somehow I'm deserving because of all the suffering that you've faced in your life. I'm here with Paul to war against that pride in you. To war against it. To remind you with Paul, Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. I would rob you of this salvation if I did not tell you of your deserved condemnation before I would raise the glory of verse 1 to say, there is now no condemnation in Christ. Do you get it? I would rob you of all the benefits that flow from the headwaters of this salvation, all the glories that flow from it. I would rob you of Jesus himself. Know this, that there are many versions of Jesus in our day. But the true Jesus is the one whom, which by we, when we stand in him, we have no condemnation. And to be outside of him is to be condemned. I must speak of your condemnation to get you then to the reality that there is no condemnation in Christ. 
You cannot know the glories of the cross if you have not humbly owned your own guilt and brokenness before Christ. You can't know the glories of the Savior when you have first not humbled yourself before him as judge. So with Paul, can't mince words here, there is none righteous. As good as you may want to think of yourself, you're not good. You're not as bad as you could be, right? We all know that, but you're not good. The standard of goodness is not determined by you. It is not created by comparing yourself to others. The standard of goodness comes from God. He is the Holy One. Therefore, we have all fallen short. You are not good. And the reality that you are not good sets up a world of hope for us when we look at verse 1, that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. Or Paul will say it elsewhere in Ephesians, for instance, that there is, there is peace that has been made possible by the blood of his cross. I don't stand condemned by him. I stand at peace with him. Because of all that Jesus has done for us. So if you're a guest with us, or maybe you're a Christian who's kind of just kind of bought into the cultural kind of narrative. I'm good. I'm just good. I'm good. You're not good. Judgment is coming to this world, and you've got to know it. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is only peace, there is only liberty, there is only life, there is only no condemnation for those in Christ. Oh, trust in Jesus. Now, on the flip side, maybe you are a Christian lifer. You know, you, you've just been doing this for a long time. We all know the terrible trend for Christians. The good news becomes the old news. Good news becomes, oh yeah, I've, I've heard Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And, you know, I've, I've known it since I was a little kid. You know, we memorized it in Awana. For some of you, you're like, what did you just, you just spoke in tongues. Uh, Awana, right? That's where we memorized verses as little kids in church. So if you have been that person where the good news has become the old news, where you've kind of become numb to the reality of Jesus, or as one pastor would refer to it, I'm just going to say his name, Bill Johnson. I did it. Yeah. Uh, Bill Johnson says it this way. He refers to the, the Christian who's become numb in their faith as spiritually civilized. He uses the illustration from Rocky, right? Rocky has made it big time. You know, it's wonderful. And... And, and Mickey, Rocky's trainer, is then ready to leave, right? Every, you know, every, every big name wants a swing at, at Rocky. And Mickey's like, I'm done. It, 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 this, is, this is done. He, he actually says, I got it here, I'm done. These guys will kill you to death. Rocky says to him, you really don't think I got nothing left to do, do you? And Mickey says, well, Rock, let's put it this way. Three years ago, you was supernatural. You was hard, you was nasty, you had this cast iron jaw, but then the worst thing happened to you that could happen to any fighter. You got civilized. But don't worry, King, or he says, don't worry, kid. 
You know, presidents retire. Horses retire. Man of war retire. They put them out to stud. That's what you should have done. Retire. You see, Christian, when you get civilized, when the good news becomes old news, when the supernatural becomes altogether natural, you're no better than just retired. Without wonder, in the fundamental core of our salvation, the good news becomes old news. We get spiritually civilized, no more working out in, 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 in kind of uh, seeing something of the, the headwaters rush out into the depths of those great lakes that you get to enjoy and plunge the depths of. No, everything just gets dried up. Everything becomes civilized. And this is the point of the text. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. How do you know that reality? How do you know? How, how does your heart stay warm to the reality of this good news that there is no condemnation? Because it gets old after a while. We all know it. Here, celebrating Jesus again for all that he's done for us. And it's just, it's old. Our hearts become numb. We become civilized. Just doing Christianity. Losing the wonder of all that it is. How do we not lose the wonder? Notice what he says next. I'm wrapping up. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Paul is saying this is the evidence, the outworking that you have no condemnation. It's the spirit-led life that takes you deeper into the glories of Christ. He never just plateaus you. You know about Jesus? Great, wonderful, you're set. Oh, you're just skimming the surface. The Christian life, the Spirit-led life, the law of the Spirit of life takes you deeper into the realities of Jesus. Part of the way this works out is today I know I, I am a far worse sinner than I ever thought possible. Not because I'm actually worse and doing bad things, but I see my sin. I see it for what it is. I, I recognize I am more and more deserving of that condemnation. I didn't just come civil. I, oh, yeah, I know Jesus did this for me. I'm a pretty good person. <laughs> it's like banish the thought, right? It's, it's with Paul. He'll say in 1 Timothy, He'll say, this is a trustworthy statement that Christ has come to save sinners of whom I am the chief sinner. Paul, you're giving your life away to Christ. You're not a sinner. But what is he saying? He's saying that he's growing in an understanding of just how twisted and backward and how deserved, how twisted and backward his heart is and how just deserving of condemnation he actually is. But he stands under the glorious banner that there is no condemnation for those in Christ. <laughs> What's civilized about that? There's nothing, it's messy. I'm not just doing Christianity, I'm not just coming to church, being reminded of the gospel, and then I'm going out to just do my thing. No, I'm growing in wonder. I'm plunging into the depths of the reality of all that Christ, while 
simultaneously coming to recognize more and more of my own heart's neediness. I'm, remi I'm reminded. I'm reminded how I treat my wife. I'm reminded of how I yell at my kids. Uh, I, I'm, I'm reminded of e even little things, those subtle inward desires, whether it's lustful, whether it's twisted, I just want to be seen as right. And it's these little desires that are, that are working through. But these are, these are mountains of condemnation, right? They're, they're not just, you don't, you don't see a white lie as a white lie anymore when you're in Christ. You see it as this mountain of reality that would condemn you eternally. But Jesus has saved me from this. And, and so do you get the idea? The law of the spirit of life is, has set me free. In other words, he's, he's not just being like, you're free, you're free, you're free, just go, free, you're free. No, he's, he's actually showing you, he's shining the spotlight of his divine life upon your heart. You know, have you ever seen uh, you know, the deep, dark plunge, you know, they go into the ocean floor and they have the spotlight, you know, and all of a sudden, you see these critters down there that are just like, what the heck is that thing? I've never seen one of those before. And they look awful. They're like little demons, you know, down on the bottom of the ocean floor, just floating around, doing their thing. It's like, whoa, what is that? But that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He shows us a bit of the reality of our hearts down to the depths of the you know, ocean floor of our hearts. And he's showing us just little by little because he knows, he knows if he'd really show you the reality of the depth of your heart, he would overwhelm you with depression. He would overwhelm you. But he slowly just shows you a little bit and he shows you a little bit. It's the law of the spirit of life. He's shining his spotlight on the reality of your heart. Showing you, oh, there's a critter. Right, whoa. Oh, back up a little bit, right? Just enough to show you that, but simultaneously, he's showing you the glory of Christ. He never, you know it's not the Spirit if he just leaves you looking at the depth of your brokenness. You know it's the Spirit when he begins to shine the light of Christ upon that reality, saying, oh, worship, child of God, worship. Get on your knees and worship him. You're deserving of condemnation, but with Jesus, there is no condemnation. And in those moments of worship, guess what I don't want to ever have anymore, but that sin at work in my heart. I want to kill it with the glories of Christ. I want to kill it. No, Jesus is better. He's better. He's better. He's better. You see this? Law of the Spirit. This is life. That's what Paul was saying. It's life. It's freedom. The Holy Spirit never works to just plateau you, Christian. To just let the good news become old news and we're just going to do this Christian thing. Hate it. Hate it. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's in your heart. It's in this church. It's in other churches. It's a strategy of the enemy to leave you in a place where you just have no more wonder at all that Jesus is and what he's done for us. The Spirit-led life for us, the Spirit will, oh, it'll be so good. Do, do you know even First uh, John will say that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. So he shines his presence 
upon the depths of our heart, showing us, oh man, the mess that is there, but then quickly showing us himself. I got you, child. I got you. My son is paid off. And Jesus, just so you know, as, as we've gone through uh, Romans 8, it's part of the text. Jesus is interceding. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He's showing his wounds to the Father. And the Father is smiling, right? Jesus is saying, I've done enough. It is finished. And the Father is saying, yes, you have. You've done enough. You've done enough for you, 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 you. He's done enough, right? This is the life that the Spirit leads us into. This is the freedom. He doesn't plateau you. He doesn't let the good news become old news. He slowly shows us the depth of our brokenness, simultaneously showing us the glory of Christ so that we become a people who, yes, have worshipped our way into sin, but now have a direct avenue out by worshipping our way out of sin. You see? Don't ever get plateaued in your Christian life. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Let's pray. As you bow your head, I want to go after this one more time. Maybe you have never trusted in Jesus. As you're bowing your head, Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus. Maybe you've done a little religious stuff. Or maybe you, you, you're hearing the sentiment the enemy will often bring to people saying, well, you've, you've known God your whole life. You have not known God your whole life. You stood under condemnation, and there was a point of turning and trusting in Jesus. You trusted him as the judge who said, you are deserving of punishment, but now you must trust him as the Savior who says, there is now no condemnation for those who trust in me. You have not known him since birth. <laughs> you have been condemned, and now it is to find freedom, liberty, by trusting in Jesus. He will have you. Don't make it complicated. He loves you. He has died for you. And now he's simply saying, child, come and trust in me. Know the freedom that alone is yours. There is no guilty sentencing for you. You are free. You are free in Jesus. You are free in him. Trust in him. So this might be weird. I just feel led to do it. Whatever. We've been dragging stuff out and doing whatever else this morning, so might as well just keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit's a little weird at times. Here's what I'd like to do, folks. I want all of us to say this because I think there are some who say, man, I want Jesus, but I just don't know how. Like, what is my, what do I, what step do I take? And so I think we all just need to say, I hate this term, the sinner's prayer together. And we're going to say it along with those who would say, yep, I, I need to know what to pray. I need to know what steps to take. And so let's just 
repeat this together. Dear Jesus, I trust in you for the forgiveness of my sins. And I turn from darkness and I turn to your glorious light. I lay all that I am at your feet. Be judge of my life and now be Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let it be. If you've, if you've made that prayer, I don't care if you're online, you're here, if you've made that prayer and you're like, that's what I needed. I needed to just know what to say, where to go. I'd encourage you. There, there, this is just the beginning of the journey for you. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Get a Bible in your hands. Get people around you that can direct you into truth. Think about getting baptized. All those kind of questions need to be figured out. But you also need the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we pray that you would grant your spirit to those who have confessed you uh, even this morning. Lord, grant your Holy Spirit. Fill them up. Um, begin the work of house cleaning in their life. Take out the junk, all the stuff that the rats, the demons have had the right to be in their lives because of all the junk that's been there, Lord. We pray by your spirit you do a cleansing, cleansing, cleansing work. Clean it up so that the enemy must flee. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Now, for you Christians, we're all here. Maybe you've let the good news become the old news. You've lost the wonder, you've become civilized, you've become calculated in your Christianity. I'd encourage you right now, we're just going to take a quick moment. I'd encourage you right now, confess it to the Lord. Confess it to Him. Just say, Lord, I, I have lost the wonder. Just going through this Christian life, just doing step by step, and yet just being cold to you. This is your opportunity to renounce those things. Confess, renounce, and say, Jesus, take me deeper into the glories of the salvation that is mine. It's your opportunity. This is what we call repentance, by the way. Just owning where our heart's been, what our heart is. Saying, Lord, I don't want it anymore. I need you. I don't want to be civilized in my Christian walk. I, just, I need to be all out for you. I need to regain the wonder of this great salvation that I stand in. So now, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would enable repentance. We know that it is you who empowers repentance. And so we pray that your kindness would lead many to repentance. You are so kind. So God, we do business with you right now. We need that fresh affection awakened in our hearts for the 
incredible salvation that we have come to know in you. Let us know it. Take us deeper into the glories of it. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.